Welcome to the Context Podcast, sponsored by Geist Interactive. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. In today's episode, I sit and chat with Dave Ramsey, the creator of FM Perception and the upcoming tool, FM Comparison. We talk about Dave's start in FileMaker, his contributions to the community in general, and a lot about FM Perception. I ask him for three lesser-known features of FM Perception, and he delivers, sneaking in a fourth as well. Dave also gives us some details about FM Comparison, a companion tool to FM Perception. He tells us its purpose in the FileMaker developer's toolbox and shares great news on the beta and the licensing of the product. Dave Ramsey built his tools from his experience as a developer. That makes these tools incredibly relevant to every single one of us. I'm glad to hear more of his perspective and to learn a little bit more about FM Perception. Hey, Dave, welcome to the Context Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing good, doing good. So um, you and I have uh, have gotten to work together a little bit here. Um, mm-hmm. I'm happy to do that. I Let's see here. I know you because, well, we work, I work at Geist Interactive and uh, you have a, a product with us at the moment, mm-hmm. um, hopefully two coming up shortly here. We'll talk about that in a bit, right? Well, technically there is already a second. It's a free tool that we released for uh, DDR uh, checking. Damage detector, that's yes. right. Yeah, I wrote a blog post about that. I can't yeah. believe I forgot. So we've also worked together. Uh, I've written a couple blog posts about FM perception, and I've also tapped you to just to take a look at the copy that I've written to, to make sure it passes, right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, good. Well, I'm glad you're here with us today. I'm uh, very interested in talking with you about who you are. Uh, people know you as the FM Perception guy, but I'm sure there's more to you <laughs> than just that. Um, yeah, we have FM Comparison now, so maybe that's all you are. I don't know. We'll see. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and um, we'll we'll continue the conversation. Well, hi, I'm Dave Ramsey. Uh, I've been a FileMaker developer since about 1994. That was FileMaker 2.1. And um, yeah, I've, I've always been really interested in tools, things that let you do what you do faster, better, etc. Kind of the precursor to all of this stuff was a relatively little known tool called FM X-Ray Specs, which would look, it was kind of like FM Perception, but for a single layout at a time. And it used the clipboard XML and would parse that and throw it up into a big table view. So you could look at how every object on the layout was formatted and if there were triggers applied and things like that. But it was always really limited by the fact that it didn't have all the XML. You know, I could tell you what field was on a layout and what table occurrence that field was coming from, but I couldn't tell you what base table was behind it. Um, I couldn't tell you what field type it was, that kind of thing. Um, so I've, yeah, I've always just been kind of pushing against those limits. I'm a FileMaker developer, a Swift developer, a C-sharp developer, now getting into JavaScript and HTML stuff for some new development I'm working on. I, I'm curious, you, you mentioned that you were interested in developing tools to help FileMaker developers. Have you... Um, in your time in the community, have you spoken at any dev cons or have you done presentations that help people learn techniques of FileMaker? 
Um, little bits, mostly with the local user group. Okay. Um, I do a mean virtual list presentation. Okay. Um, that's just really good for the, there. There's the technique and then there's how you use it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will concentrate on one or the other, and it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. make it so that you really understand at a root level exactly how this technique works and why it's so amazingly awesome. Yeah, yeah. I We were just in a previous episode. Uh, I was with Wim and Todd, and I asked the definitive context for using the virtual lists, and they gave me their thoughts. So I probably have to ask you that at the end. Um, but it's I've just it just occurs to me that there's a lot of people in the community that are there to help people learn and, and help people get through things. And you've done that some, but your primary focus is building tools to help people do their job better and faster and, and more in real time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and accurately. And accurately. That's a great point. Um, that's, that's what's neat about this. I don't think I could develop a product that would help people do their stuff better but you are choosing that route and you've got FM perception. We have damage detector and you have a new product that you're working on FM comparison. That's, mm-hmm. that's really cool that there's a wide range of people that are interested in helping the FileMaker developer from different angles. Right. Um, yeah. And your well, focus is on making it better for them to use. The thing there is that like, if you do the math, 1994 was 25 years ago. Over 25 years of doing development in a particular tool, you get a really good sense of where the friction points are. And as you're learning, you'll find a friction point and then realize that you can get around it or go past it in some other way. It's part of the learning process and getting better at doing, say, FileMaker development. But over a long enough time, you realize that there are the friction points that there aren't easy solutions around. There aren't ways to quickly solve that problem or... You know, instead of doing something really weird, you go, oh, wait, this would be a perfect place to use a virtual list. And then you find the things that there aren't good solutions for. And so I started looking at it and it was mostly accidental. So you found, following this thread, you found that reading the DDR was not useful in its current form that comes out of FileMaker. I mean, technically, XML is human readable. And you can get some good information opening a DDR as pure text and doing some fines against it. But for the most part, that's really not that helpful. There's a lot of stuff that's encoded. And there's a lot of stuff that you get from the DDR that you only get when you can do cross-references between multiple points in the DDR. Like I said, when you're looking at a layout object and you see that it's a field... And it's based on this table occurrence. Well, I have to go to the relationship graph to find out what the base table for that is. And then I have to go to the table definitions to find out what type the field is. Like just to find out that this is a text field, not a number field, is a three-step process. And that's where trying to use the DDR natively completely falls apart. And that's why you need tools. And you saw that and other people have seen it, but you saw it and you decided to build something that could read the XML DDR quickly and and what we now refer to as real time, right? Mm -hmm. 
that's pretty awesome to see that problem and then to fix to to find us a, a solution for it. So we call it real-time developer intelligence and mm-hmm. obviously those three words mean a lot but as the developer of FM perception what do you picture in your head what is your quote mind movie when people are using FM perception and how do you use that to develop it to add features to it and um you know, mm-hmm. keep it updated. So the central use loop for FM perception is you're working on your system. You come to a stumbling point, a question that you have about the system as a whole that FileMaker doesn't provide the tools to answer. Okay. Um, so I need to make sure that this particular field is formatted properly on every single layout that it appears on. And I don't know what those layouts are. I mean, I can guess about 80% of them, but I don't want to manually look through every single layout to find the answer. And that's effectively what you would have to do if you're just using FileMaker native stuff. FileMaker doesn't have an answer for that question for you aside from looking through the layouts. And that even assumes that that field isn't so small that if you looked at the layout, you would see the field name. It's possible that that could be occluded from you. And so, or rather obscured. So, and, and then there are other DDR analysis tools that would give you kind of information about this. But the problem is that it's, they take so long to get into. Now you can open it quickly if you've got old data, but it's old data. In a yep. really fast moving day, I can invalidate a DDR in you know the first two or three hours of the day. I've done so much work that I can't trust a DDR from the morning by the time I get to lunch. And so the core loop for FM perception is I've got my question. Let me go ahead and export a brand new DDR. Spit out the DDR, open it in FM perception, ask FM perception the question, get the answer and be back in FileMaker. Like I don't see the core FM perception user spending hours a day in FM perception. Okay. If you're if you're spending, you know, 3 hours just looking through FM perception to see how things look, that's something that you should do rarely. The core use loop is question, fresh data, answer, back to work and making that loop as tight and fast as possible. I completely get that. And since working here at Geist Interactive, I have used FM perception probably 5,000 more percent. I run it not only on files that I'm working on that I have that question, but I'm also running it on files that I get from other people that I want to learn a little bit about. Is that is that a possible, is that a, a movie that takes place in your head too? Absolutely. It could, it, it's a real-time developer intelligence tool, but it's also a real-time developer catch-up or onboard tool, right? Yeah. It, to me, it's kind of like an, an external memory system. Like <laughs> oh, I don't, yeah. don't want to have to memorize all of this stuff about my system. Yep. And the more complex the project, the more developers who are on the project, or if I wasn't involved in the beginning of the project the time I'm going to spend in FM perception understanding what's going on goes up. Like there's just, sometimes FM perception can just remind you, oh, there's these five layouts to go look at. 
But sometimes it will say, actually, that field's used on 200 layouts. And my brain goes, I don't understand what they're doing with this field, but I didn't make it. Somebody made it on second shift or one of the other developers on the team made it, or I'm coming in when this system is a decade old. I don't understand what's going on here. Okay, let me spend a little more time and figure out what's going on. How is this being used? Where is this field being touched? What scripts are talking to it? That kind of thing. And so, yes, in those situations, you're going to spend more time in it. And then kind of a third usage loop is kind of the one through the report card. If, if I'm coming to a file that I've ha- I've had no experience with and I'm trying to onboard myself, you just mentioned that you would spend some time in FM perception. Do you think a developer who is onboarding herself has a question, a specific question to answer, or is she just getting into the XML DDR through FM perception, generally kind of clicking around to see what she sees and if so what what are some good things to look at Mm -hmm. to get yourself onboarded and kind of know the basic state of the current file right so a lot of that then gets into that report card loop okay um i built the report card based upon my time as a consultant and it was the primary loop for that one is i've got a meeting with a customer in 10 minutes I've never seen their system ever, but I want to know as much as I possibly can about what I'm about to talk about. And so I haven't seen the system, but I convinced the customer to send me a DDR. And so I can open the DDR, open the report card and get a bunch of numbers that I can look at and start looking for aberrations is a strong word. It feels a little judgmental. Let's just, just say numbers that are different. You know, the, there, there are tons and tons and tons of fields. A lot of us have seen these systems where you crack it open and you realize that one of those tables has 6,000 fields in it. You're like, okay, well, I, I now understand something about that system, how it was built and what they were doing. And this is going to be a friction point for me going forward. You know, this is this one layout that does a ton of stuff. And so I'm going to be spending a lot of time there. I'm going to eventually have to understand it. Actually seeing that layout still happens best in FileMaker. Mm-hmm. But when I say, uh, what kind of triggers are running on this layout? Like how yeah. long does it take you to figure out how many objects on the layout are running script triggers? Well, I mean, you can turn on the little thing that highlights, but that assumes that the field is large enough for you to see that things aren't hidden behind other things, that stuff isn't stuck in tabs, that sort of thing. And so you can kind of uh, use the high level view to figure out what the areas of detail are that you really need to look into. Okay. Um, And so I just wanted to have as much information as possible before digging further. So if I'm onboarding myself, I really want to focus on that report card and understand its basic setup. How many unstored calculations are in there, how many layouts and how many scripts. Um, Since I don't have a specific question in mind at Mm -hmm. the moment, other than what the heck is this file? What am I doing in here? All this stuff. The report card helps you see the the high level view of, of a file. Right. So for example, there's a section in there on global variables. And if you look at some of FileMaker starter solutions, they've got a relatively small number of global variables. 
But what you find is that almost every script in those systems talks to the global variables. And so if I want to edit those scripts, I first have to figure out what their global variables do. Those things aren't independent anymore. They're, they're bound together. And that's not obvious if I just click in and look at three or four scripts. Or even if I look at every single one of the scripts, it may take me a while to realize these two things are inextricably twined and I'm going to have to figure out how to deal with that. Okay. Um, another example was um, there's a section in there on extended privileges. In a lot of cases, we don't spend a lot of time looking and playing with extended privileges. Like you mostly set them up, connect them to a couple of privilege sets and you're done. But if you're coming into a system that you didn't write and didn't do that work with, how long does it take to figure out if uh, there's PHP access to that file? Well, in order to have PHP access to that file, you have to have the PHP extended privilege tied to a privilege set that is also tied to accounts that are active. That's a three-way comparison before you can say, yes, it is possible for somebody to get in here and do PHP. I don't know what they're doing with the PHP. I don't have, but now I know to ask, hey, do you guys have web systems that are tying into this? Because in particular, those external web systems might be talking to layouts, talking to scripts, talking to fields that otherwise the DDR is completely unaware of. You can get the same thing out of Apple Script or REST Access or uh, WebDirect, that kind of thing. Like, what does it take to find out if they're using WebDirect? Well, it's the WebDirect extended privilege tied to a privilege set that's tied to accounts that are active. That's an interesting idea. And I wonder... I have to think about that because I get clients' files. We we do implementation packages here at Geist Interactive, and sometimes I get someone's file and they want me to add something to it. And while we try to build things modularly and kind of connect it, you know, have nothing to do with the actual file, just you know, just plug in a folder of scripts. It's still good to know. So it makes me think: How could I best spend my time in FM perception to onboard myself? And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm glad we got to talk about that. I, I actually, it occurred to me it'd be fun to uh, just do a, a little bit of a test to let you, the creator of FM perception, study a, a layout in FM perception, and then mm -hmm. have you build it in a fresh FileMaker file, <laughs> <laughs> and just see how close you can get to the actual layout itself. Wow. Um, <laughs> that would be an interesting test. It's in and of itself. It's not something that the loop is optimized for. Sure. Yeah. Like I don't yet have a good visual representation of the layout in FM perception. Okay. And the primary reason for that is we're missing some important data. The current DDR is missing some stuff about layouts that I would really need to really do that properly. Now, that said, if you give me the old XML, well, I can right-click on the layout or on all the layout objects, copy those layout objects, and paste them right into the new file, and then just start repointing. Okay. And that'll get me 95% of the way there. So that's a little bit of a cheat. FM Perception has been out for over three years now, mm -hmm. and hundreds and thousands and millions of people are using it, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but what are, can you think of three things, three features or functionality pieces in FM Perception that you are certain not many people know about? Yeah, I don't know about not many, but there's common gaps that I run into when I'm demoing 
for people. Um, the first is the fact that you can, both in Mac and Windows, set FM perception as the default opener for .xml files. You can just say, when I double click on a .xml file, open it in FM perception. And if you're not doing other XML work, if the only XML that you bump into on a daily basis is DDRs, then it can be a huge time saver to just be able to find that summary.xml file, double click on it, and it opens an FM perception. It's just right there. Okay. The other thing is when you're doing the DDR export, there's that checkbox that we always forget to turn off mm -hmm. that says open the DDR when you're done exporting. If you leave that checkbox on, when FileMaker is done exporting the DDR, it tells the operating system to open this XML file and FM Perception will open it. And so you can kind of save yourself a step in there by just setting FM Perception as the default opener for XML files and then leave that checkbox on. Exporting the DDR immediately opens in FM Perception. Okay. That so, makes that real-time loop even faster, right? Even faster. Yeah. Yes. A surprising number of people miss the freeform text search. Um, it, it, it has a tendency to fall towards the end of my demo. And so if we get really crunched for time or somebody has to leave early, I think they missed that part. I'm not going to say that everybody missed it, but there's a, uh, it's fairly regular in the help desk system for me to get a request where I go, hey, you can actually just run a search for that. And so the freeform text search is at the bottom of the list of queries before you get into the slower query section. And it just says text search. And when you click on that, an extra search box pops up. There's still the standard search box, which is a filter. It takes whatever's currently in the displayed list and reduces it based upon the filter. But to the left of that is a new search box. And that, whatever you type in there, will send that request to the entire XML and come back with every object that it can find that matches that test. So if you've got uh, a particular field name that you want to double check, like you were building field names and then using get field, you know, mm -hmm. and so you've got unabstracted or rather abstracted code that I'm sorry, that's, that's the unabstracted code. So you've got indirection that you're not properly handling. You can hunt for like a snippet of the field name and see if that pops up anywhere in a string in a calculation or something like that, which wouldn't otherwise be findable. I also really like Todd's use for that, which is um, using the text, all one word, all caps, do not release. And he can tag that in any place in a system. There's script comments. He'll just throw the text on a layout. You can put it in a field comment. There's all sorts of places where you can just tag this text in. And so it's okay. something that he started but hasn't finished but wants to make sure that he finishes before this software goes out to the public. And so before release, he can run that search for do not release and see what pops up. And if anything pops up, you go back into FileMaker, do the appropriate repairs, finish that stuff, and then rather than say, there were three, I fixed three, now I'm done, in just a couple of seconds, you can export a new DDR, open it in FM Perception, and rerun the search and confirm that nothing else has changed. Particularly if you're working in one of those environments where more than one person might be working on that project at a particular time. You know, while you're fixing those three, somebody might have added a fourth. And so being able to say, yes, I ran the search, and the search showed nothing tagged for do not release. Awesome. That's a, that's a great 
confidence thing for knowing that you caught everything that was tagged that way. And so you can expand that with places that need more comments and things like that. And, you know, comment required. Yeah. And just tag that in someplace and go, okay, before I release this, I have to expand the comments in these sections because these are part of the customer facing API or something of that nature. Freeform text search. That's really interesting. Being able to tag something, quote, tag something in my FileMaker file anywhere. It could be a, it could be a calculation on the layout. It could be part of the hide object when. Absolutely. It could be a validation calculation on a field. That's, that's pretty incredible because it, you know, you've got the fields, you've got the scripts, you've got all those sections, but there's a ton of places where you can write a calculation and you need mm-hmm. to be able to search all of those. And I actually, I'm not, I was just thinking of that. Does do layout calculations show up somewhere in FM perception or would you search those through the, um, obviously the field references would probably show up there, but um, you don't have a separate section for layout calculations. Do you? I actually do. You do? Um, I do. So Um, you can either go into down, it's a fourth from the bottom of the list of queries is uh, calculations flat flow. Okay. Because it looks at every single calculation in the system, aggregates them all into a big list. And then from that, there's a subcategory for layout calculations. I see it. Okay. Okay. The other option that you've got, if you're particularly working with one layout that you're trying to performance optimize or something like that, you can actually drill into the layout. And once you're inside the layout, we almost always go directly to layout objects. Uh But next from the bottom on that is a calculations option. And so this is just the calculations that run on this layout. This is really helpful when, you know, there's there's so many ways to hide calculations on a FileMaker layout. Yep. Uh, one of my personal favorite hidden ones is that fourth conditional formatting option. Well, you, you've got like you've got like three or four different conditional formatting things tied to one field. Yeah. It's not immediately obvious that those are there, particularly in browse mode if the record's empty and there's nothing highlighting the thing like Conditional formatting hides, hide calculations, hide from you, calculated labels, you know, the boilerplate text in a field or something like that, those things hide from you. And it's very easy to end up with those either not done right or broken if you, you know, we do that thing where you pick up a field from one layout and paste it on another layout. Uh-huh. And we know it's from a different context. There's a different base table occurrence. So we're used to pasting the field, then double-clicking on the field and repointing it to its appropriate spot. That's a, a behavior that FileMaker developers do all the time. The question is, did you get all the other places that need to be repointed? Did you get the hide calculations, the title slash label, conditional formatting, tooltips? All of these things could be calculated and may now be broken because while you repointed the field, you didn't repoint the conditional formatting. FileMaker does not give us a visibility tool to see all of this stuff. The closest that you've got is those little symbols that you can say to show in the corner of the field. Okay, yeah. And that's just not quite enough, particularly if some of those things are now broken. So I don't need to do a a text search for something inside of a calculation because I have this, which I didn't know about. So there's my <laughs> one thing that I didn't realize was in FM perception. 
Um, I'm looking at uh, an XML DDR in FM perception right now, and I see that I have 20 layout calculations. So that's a that's a good that's a good number. I'm I'm trying to keep it low, and all of those are either tab panels or buttons. It's interesting that because button bars now have calculation the calculation dialog mm-hmm. they're included in here. And yep. uh, yeah, that's cool. it, it also includes things like um, if the button has a script parameter, that's technically a calculation on that layout. Got it. It's oh, not, okay. it's not running like a trigger or anything like that, but it's still a calculation on the layout that could be like layouts have context and the things that we place on the layout may misunderstand that context. Um, I, the one that I'm looking at right now is a layout with 660 objects on it, Whoa. but there are 337 calculations on the layout. Whoa. Yeah, not not a small thing. And so aside from the button things, basically all of these calculations are running, almost all these calculations are running every time we load a new record, load this layout in any way, shape, or form. A lot of these calculations are running and... They're basically hidden. You know, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I'm actually thrilled about this because there's a column called calc type because I was like, well, how do I know what's what what each is doing? And, you know, maybe I can mm-hmm. I could actually use the text search to to type in parameter, right? Script parameter and get filter that list to just show me the script parameter calculations on a particular layout. The important thing there is the default when you're typing into the filter is just the name column. That's right. Yep. Um, So on the Mac side, there's a little triangle right next to the magnifying glass that will let you change that to everything. And that then searches across all columns. On the Windows version, there's just radio buttons next to the field. But so if you wanted to search on that calc type column, you would need to change to everything. Very Um, nice. Another one that's really helpful, if you look way over, further over to the side, is the remote TO count. Okay. And so if you sort by that and get the max stuff at the top, you can see how many remote table occurrences this calculation talks to. Oh, nice. Okay. And then the max distance column right next to that is, okay, what's the furthest away I have to go? You know, if it has to go two steps away to get a value to pop to do conditional formatting, eh, if it has to go 10 steps away, that's yeah. an opportunity for me to optimize how that works, how that conditional formatting is actually done. You know, you have a, I'm sure you have a feature request sheet as long as my arm here, but um, I, I think much, you've said that. much <laughs> longer. It's you have several years worth of uh, features to do. I could literally um, work on this software for the rest of my life. <laughs> I and never run out of features. You know what I want is, and you probably have it in here, an optimization suggestion uh, report where you show me things like that, that this calculation on this layout touches a TO 10 TOs away. Because you just yeah. said that would be something to finesse and to, to fix if you can, right? Or to, right. to somehow do different. So uh, can you add that to the list right now, please? <laughs> that is definitely already on the list. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's a lot of that kind of stuff Yeah. That, that we can totally do. It's just part of it is trying to figure out 
exactly where those thresholds are. Uh-huh. Sure. Like, is two okay? Well, two is probably okay on a script or on a button script parameter. Yeah. Because that's only going to run when you click the button. But, you know, even 10 might be okay in that situation. Yeah. Whereas in a conditional formatting, that's probably bad. Um, trying to figure out, I, I don't want to tell somebody, here's where you should look to make things faster and let them and have them poke at that for a week and then go, <laughs> my system is not any faster. I see. Uh, because there's too many different things that can impact that performance. You know, table structure, the number of records in the table, the network architecture, that kind of thing can end up having a dramatically larger performance impact than anything as far as how this is written. So okay. I'm a little leery of uh, telling somebody this is a performance problem because that's easy to misconstrue as this is the performance problem. That's, that's that totally makes sense. I, I completely. You don't want to be the decider of performance issues. You just want to objectively state here's how far away this calculation touches, or yeah. here's all of the fields that are indexed in your table, and so forth. Right. So yeah. In a lot of ways, we talk about uh, FM perception being non-judgmental. Oh. There are very few places where FM perception says, this is bad, don't do this. Because as longtime FileMaker developers, I know that either there are specific situations where any bad technique may actually be the right technique. You know, we say, never use repeating fields, except for the times when repeating fields are absolutely perfect for the yeah. problem. So FM perception doesn't say this is bad. It just kind of goes, here's the numbers. You look at them and decide what's wrong for you. Now, eventually I would like to get to the point where I can say, can you tell me what's bad for exactly. you? Yeah. And yeah. I will then tell you what things meet your requirements. Yes. But that's a little further down the road. Like if a, if a dev shop says, you know, we don't want to have a whole lot of layout tricks on there or, mm-hmm our standard is to use very few unstored calculation fields. And I I think this is in there already, but you could let them type in, we want no more than 20% of the fields Mm -hmm. to be in there. Right. And then they could, FM perception could then say, Oh, we've got 27% in this table. Let's color it yellow or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're giving me the option to tell you. You previously mentioned Wim de court from the last episode. Um, he actually requested that something be added to the report card. And so there's a line on the report card in the layout section that says layouts with more than one portal. One of the things that Wim found was that adding multiple portals to a layout, he found had really significant negative impact on the performance of that layout. And so he sees a layout with more than one portal as an opportunity for optimizing process or performance. And so I highlighted those for him. Nice. It, it sounded good. I, he's named in the tooltip when you mouse over that section. Layouts with usable layouts with more than one portal. Nice. And you can actually click on any of the rows there and it'll just bring up that list of spaces. And he's <laughs> like, you know, if you've got a layout with four portals on it, that's one of the most complicated layouts in that system. That's where I'm going to start. You should have a, a row in here that says layouts and scripts designed by Jeremy Brown. <laughs> We have identified that could be a performance issue right there. <laughs> Eventually, that's one of the things that's on the list is, oh. I, I mean, not specifically you, 
But for example, these uh, text searches, I'd like to be able to kind of store those, mm-hmm. stack them up. And so if you wanted to say like, when I create this script, our process has me putting a comment in that says that this was created by Jeremy Brown. Well, I could then use that as a search criteria and then put it right on the report card. Scripts created by Jeremy Brown, 137. Okay, let me see Jeremy's scripts rather than Todd's. That's interesting. I, I think I'll get out of development when that gets added. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um so did, did you tell us three things? I, I think we were, got stuck at two things that we don't know about FM perception. You you said the text field search and what was um, it? So I've got actually two more for you. Okay, go ahead. Two uh, more. The first one's a little funky. It's a section called flagged functions. And to see it, you actually have to bring up the preferences. Okay. And in the preferences, the first tab is flagged functions. And what this does is it drives a set of columns in FM perception that appear on a lot of different layouts. So if you look at, say, fields flat and then scroll all the way over to the right, there are six columns. The one is labeled as get script parameter, get script result, evaluate, execute SQL, and then user defined one and user defined two. And these actually do some stored searches, but they're just looking at functions like FileMaker standard functions or custom functions that are being used. So I very often want to, when I'm looking at a list of layout objects or a list of fields, I want to know if they're running evaluate. That's what the evaluate column does. But the reason that this has a separate preference is because I may find that I did all of my evaluate in a custom function, okay? So my field definitions never run evaluate. They run a custom function that runs evaluate, but I don't just just wanna flag it in the custom functions list. I want the evaluate column to light up with a little dot anytime it uses my custom function that does evaluate. Okay. And so you can add these items to flagged functions so that the evaluate column will flag anytime any of a dozen different functions run. I also like the user-defined one and user-defined two for specific processes. Let's say that I was using uh, middle values in a lot of places, and I want to change that to use my custom function that does something that does basically the same thing, but handles that trailing return better, say. And so I could make user-defined one do a search for middle values. And user defined to do a search for my new custom function. And now my job in a dozen different places in FM perception is to make sure that I move all the dots out of column one and into column two. I can kind of see a status as I'm going. I can sort by those columns and go, here's the ones that still have to be done. Here's the ones that I have done that kind of thing. And unfortunately, it's just slightly too complicated to be covered in 60 seconds in a big demo. And so hardly anybody knows about that feature. They've seen the columns. In some cases, they'll even use the columns, but they don't realize that they can override what any of those columns are actually flagging on. That, And then my my extra bonus item is that the detail sidebar on the right-hand side is copy and pasteable, okay? So if you find a field that's a particular problem spot for you and you click on it, there's a lot of really nice information about that field. 
you can actually click in that area, do a select all and say copy. And it effectively copies it as styled text. You can now paste this text into mail.app or text edit or something like this. You can email somebody with this information. And because you've grabbed the entire sidebar, the sidebar basically always contains a section down towards the bottom called hierarchy. And hierarchy is the path to get to this item. So if somebody has the DDR and the hierarchy section, they can go find this thing that you just highlighted for them. All the information that they need to find it is right there. Okay. Oh. And so if you find, you know, there's a script that's got an issue, you just click on the script, copy the sidebar, send it in an email to somebody, and they can then go and address whatever problem it is that you've highlighted. As a matter of fact, when you do that with a script, the complete text of the script is in that sidebar. So you could highlight a particular line of the script, make it bold, and then add a line at the top that says, hey, what's up with the bold script step? And just spit that out as an email very quickly. So that's your styled export function. Oh, beautiful. Just copy and paste that sidebar. Wonderful. Well, there's a lot about FM perception um, that I need to learn about. And you've given me some more information about it. So that's awesome. All right. So um, thank you, Dave, for that audio-only description of FM perception. Um, we'll try to... I'll try to get some blog posts out about this because there's some really interesting stuff and, and I, my mind is churning with other possibilities as far as, you know, co- more code review kind of ideas, more, I love the sharing of scripts ideas or, you know, through the uh, copy paste. So very cool. Let's, let's shift gears a little bit. Tell me about uh, this last DevCon. I think I've asked everybody so far that I've talked with, uh, what did you think about FileMaker DevCon 2019, the last one? What... What inspired you? What excited you? What are you thinking about? This is a, you know, the the old uh, may you live in exciting times or interesting times. Uh It's both a blessing and a curse. These are very, very interesting times in FileMaker development. Mm -hmm. Um, We're seeing a lot of changes very quickly. The tools are changing. There's new XML coming, new things that we're going to be able to do. My brain keeps saying, wow, this is all going to change in a year or two, but I think the timeline is going to be a little bit longer. Okay. I think over the next five to 10, the way we do work is going to change dramatically. But then again, that's over five to 10 years. Like you're going to have to keep up with it, but there's going to be a lot of neat stuff that's going to happen. The new features that are not so much in the XML, but that are going to be unlocked by this new XML and the new processes that they're building around it are going to allow dramatically more interesting tools. And, you know, the ability to patch changes into a system from externally to make modifications to a system, to to the metadata of a system with a script step. You know, these things are kind of coming down the line. It can't help but change how we do stuff. Um, and the the kinds of features that FileMaker developers in general will be, will be able to do is going to explode dramatically. But the things that tools makers will be able to do is also going to explode, which then just has an add-on effect to what everybody else is doing. I, I, I think it's all very neat stuff. The biggest difficulty that I had is that since I'm at the booth basically all day, every day, I don't get to see sessions. Um, the only session I really get to attend each year is the keynotes and then my session. So as far as what the cutting edge of FileMaker development is 
and what awesome new techniques people are coming up with, I'm the wrong person to ask about that. Was the session that you attended good? <laughs> Mine? Yes, it was great. <laughs> okay. Um, a little you short. Gave, you gave yourself a good review, a good, yeah. uh, okay. <laughs> the, um, the vendor sessions this year were only half an hour long. Uh-huh. And I can pique somebody's interest in half an hour, but I really prefer like an hour. Okay. To really give people an in-depth view of how this software works so that when they sit down at their computer, like they feel like they can do it themselves. Half an hour goes, this is a neat tool. I should look more. An hour goes, I have to download this and begin using it immediately on my own stuff. So I prefer longer sessions. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, I'm talkative and verbose, so I could happily fill two hours and nobody would go to that session. Speaking of your session, you mentioned, I think I was close by when I, I heard you talking, um, you mentioned something new you're working on, um, FM comparison. Yes. Tell us about that. I, I don't know a whole lot about it yet. Okay. So FM comparison is a companion tool for FM perception. Um, it's a new diff tool for FileMaker systems. And it also, instead of using the classic DDR, it uses the XML produced by the save as XML uh, menu option and script step. And so that XML is FileMaker's new XML. And while it's not quite complete yet, it's, it's more complete than the old XML. They intend for it to cover everything. Okay. And so... What we're going to have the ability to do is effectively compare two versions of a FileMaker system and see what changed. Now, FM Perception has a tool right now that does that, but it's it's noisy. It's too verbose. It's got lots of detail, but not a lot of 50,000 foot to go like what layout were all the changes happening on. That kind of information is, is a little hard to extract from the output. With FM comparison, it really does kind of a 50,000 foot and drills in. So you can see where the changes were. And then once you're in there, what were the changes to that thing? And then for me, it's exciting because it's using an entirely new technology stack that will be cross-platform by about 95%. Instead of having a Mac version written in Swift and a Windows version written in C Sharp, the way FM perception is, uh, FM comparison is HTML and JavaScript on the front end, but in the back end, I'm using C sharp in a cross platform way. So I'm not limited by JavaScript's performance characteristics or anything like that. I can do really in depth multi threading and, and tap into operating system level things that JavaScript can't. Tell me what the uh, use case is for this. Is it what loop is? does FM comparison fit into? It's really anybody who cares about what changed in their system between point A and point B. So if you are working with a subcontractor and the subcontractor comes back with a new version, but what did they change? Not just what are the features that they said they added, but literally where are the changes in this system? Uh, So subcontractor, a different shift, Uh, Even if it's just yourself, you're saying, hey, in the last month, what did I change? You know, we're getting ready to release a new version of this software. I need to do release notes so people know what to look at. And I've always found that that is much better to get that data in an automated fashion rather than run through my notes to see what it was that I changed. So it's really about 
you know, like you just mentioned, for me, if I'm working on something for a month, I run a save as XML, uh, screw, I run that process, and I just store it somewhere. Then I do mm -hmm. all my development, and after a, when I'm ready to release it, I can then use FM comparison to compare the before and the after, right? Absolutely. That's a new workflow that we're, we might have to get used to is before and after. Um, mm -hmm. Always making sure you've got a before state. Right. Okay. Um, another big group that uses this is people who do vertical market applications. So they will have a base version of their system. And then in many cases, a customer specific modified version of the system. The customer requested certain changes. Now I'm getting ready to do version two of the base system. And I'd like to roll it out to that customer. So first I have to find out a year ago what I changed in that system. So I compare the base version to their modified version. And then I have to apply those changes to version two so that we then have the customer specific version two. And then I'd like to diff version two and the customer specific version two to make sure that it looks like I actually did all the changes that I said I was supposed to do based upon version one to customer version one. Nice. Okay. The real reason that this software is necessary is, you know, once we've got this XML, there are all sorts of diff tools that you can use that will find the differences between the text. And the problem is that that is not a good reflection of what changed in your system or how it changed. I'll give you an example. If I have a cluster of layout objects and I decide I want to send them to the back, so the classic send to back, the XML for these things is stored in Z order. So the furthest back item is the first item in the XML, and then the next furthest back item is the second item. So what we just did was take a cluster of items and take them from the end of the list and put them at the beginning of the list. Okay. A diff tool will tell you that you deleted the items from the end of the list and then made new items at the front of the list. It doesn't have an awareness that a large chunk of code will move in that way. It just has create, delete, and then modify a line in place. But I don't want to delete all of these items and then make them. I need something that knows that when FileMaker does this, what it actually means is I just pushed these items back. Mm -hmm. I changed the Z ordering of these items and that's all that happened to them. That these items before change and after change are actually the same, they're just in a different location. Um, another huge one, has to do with renaming things. One of FileMaker's most awesome features, and if you've ever worked with something outside of FileMaker, you really appreciate how good FileMaker is at this, is if I rename a field, basically every reference to that field in my entire system is updated. The mm -hmm. field doesn't have to be repointed on every single layout where it was referenced. FileMaker takes care of that for you. But when you export that XML, the field name comes with it. And so if I rename a field in the table definition, every single reference to that field, every single layout, every script, every privilege set that specifically talks about that field also gets changed. And any normal diff tool will see that between version one and version two, 200 things changed, even if all I did was rename a single field. So what FM comparison does is it looks at these two states and says, well, I renamed this field, which means that I can ignore field renaming for that particular field as changes in all these other locations. And so okay. it will be able to look at 200 changes between the two versions of the XML and say, 
yeah, there's a bunch of changes notated, but really all you did was rename this one field. Okay. You get the same thing with renaming scripts, renaming layouts, all of that stuff. All of those references to those things are updated, which is a fantastic feature, but really hurts diffing and comparison. And uh, you're working on that. Um, what's the where's where is it at? In uh, I don't see it in my hands yet. So no, you don't <laughs> see it in your hands yet. Um, I am working very hard to get to a beta release. Oh, it is not there yet. And the big stumbling block right now is parsing FileMaker calculations. Uh, I have to be able to take the text of a calculation and break it up into its constituent parts so that I can say, hey, this is a field, this is a variable, this is a function name. Because you oh, can wow. rename FileMaker custom functions and it will rename the references to them. I, I can fix these things every place else except for in calculations. Um, a classic example is if I had a line of a calculation that referenced a field and I commented that out and then typed in a new field reference. That comment isn't any longer a field reference. And so when I rename the field, it won't update. And so I have to know that it didn't update so that I know that the fact that it didn't update isn't actually a change. It, it gets very weird and obscure very quickly. But the point is that the big stumbling block right now is parsing these calculations. I'm making good progress, just not quite there yet. Um, mm -hmm. I thought that I was going to have it out by now in beta, but I also thought that parsing FileMaker calculations would be difficult, yeah. but easier than what I've found it to be. Pri primarily because of the number of terrible things that you can do in defining FileMaker calculations. Technically, in a calculation, like in a let or something like that, FileMaker mm -hmm. will allow you to define a variable named dollar sign. That's a valid variable name, just dollar sign with nothing after it. Okay, A, don't do that. But B, if somebody did that, I need to properly handle it. Yes. The the number of things that you can do to make bad variable names and do really weird things in lets is just slowing me down. And I don't I don't want to release a half measure. People should stay tuned to Geist Interactive for uh, information on the beta, right? Mm -hmm. Do you Absolutely. have details about the beta that you can tell us or is that coming? Um, when the beta comes out, it will be available to everybody who's a licensed FM Perception user. Nice. With uh, ongoing stuff. As a matter of fact, the software is going to be free for FM Perception licensees. Oh, okay. um, I've been promising people a new diff tool for quite a while. And just the fact that it's actually an independent app and is um, in an entirely new technology stack is not anybody's fault but my own. So that's going to be free for people who have FM perception and their support is up to date. Uh, so that'll be for the beta and then for the full version, I will probably be releasing the Mac beta first with the Windows beta happening shortly thereafter. Again, that 95% of common code is, is really helpful in doing that migration, but there's going to be a little bit of work to dial in a Windows version. The other cool thing about the way I'm doing this is that it means that the interfaces and capabilities of the two pieces of software are going to be basically exactly the same. Oh. So there's minor differences between FM perception for Mac and FM perception for Windows, but FM comparison will look and act the same for both. Well, Dave, I uh, think we have talked a while. You are verbose, and I know you could talk for two more hours, right? Mm -hmm. 
you sure. want to talk for two more hours? No, you, you have FM comparison to work on. Well, there's that. There's that. <laughs> um, it's it's good to to talk to talk and hear about that. I think even though I've used FM perception now for a year and a half, I am still learning about it, and it's it's good to to hear. And I actually really enjoyed hearing your thought process, your mind movie that happens when you think of of FM perception user. So uh, very cool. I'm excited about FM comparison. So Dave, thank you for joining me here uh, on uh, the Context Podcast. Uh, before we go, um, tell us uh, where people can find you. Tell us uh, what you're working on, what you want to promote. Let us let us know. Okay. So the big thing that I'm working on right now is FM comparison and Antler. Mm-hmm. Uh, Antler is the parser tool that I'm working with. Uh, if you're interested in the technology side and like how this project is coming together and the particular weird frictions that are happening there, uh, I've got my own podcast. Uh, you can find information about it at project-update.com. It's uh, me and another FileMaker developer talking about non-FileMaker development projects. Uh, Joe Simpson is my co-host, and he's working on a mobile iOS app and playing with Swift and the new Swift UI and things of that nature. Okay. Uh, beyond that, you can follow me uh, at DesignDB on Twitter. And if you have FM perception questions or problems or any kind of friction issues, the best way to reach me is support at geistinteractive.com. That way you're not just waiting for me to answer. Any of a couple of different people can answer any particular questions you have and get you back online. But if you've got a weird technical one, that'll just get routed to me and I will see your message. And if you have a feature request, get that to Dave so he can add it to the ever-growing one, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Cool. Well, thank you, Dave. It's been a pleasure to talk with you, and I look forward to doing this again. Thank you very much for having me. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Context Podcast, sponsored by Geist Interactive. The Context Podcast is all about FileMaker and the technology that we use within the context of FileMaker. The Context Podcast is found on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe. Let us know what you think. Give us a rating and a review. Send us feedback and let us know what topics you would like us to talk about. See you next week.